Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We got several different stories that we are tracking. Uh, first of all, Dallas Cowboys, are, according to multiple reports, are moving on from Jason Garrett. They officially have begun the coaching search, and we will see who exactly is going to end up their next head coach, whether it's Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen, Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, uh, Greg Roman. Lots of different directions that the Dallas Cowboys can go. Uh, Now that Jerry Jones is officially moving on, again, reportedly from Jason Garrett, first coaching search uh, for the Dallas Cowboys since 2007. A lot to be determined. What's the future of Dak Prescott? What are the Cowboys going to do with Amari Cooper? And who is going to be the head coach to lead them into this new decade? All of that could be decided in the near future. There are, by the way, four NFL head coaching jobs that are open right now. Carolina Panthers, Giants, the uh, the Cleveland Browns, and the Dallas Cowboys. So much to follow there. We will continue to keep you updated on Fox Sports Radio for all the latest in the Dallas Cowboy coaching search. And we've been talking about it quite a bit in the first two hours. NFL Wild Card Weekend is officially underway starting tomorrow. Uh, we've got the Houston Texans hosting the Buffalo Bills as the first game. Then we've got the New England Patriots hope, uh, hosting the Titans. We will dive into those games, plus the Sunday ones, of course, with the Eagles going up against the Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings on the road against the New England Patriots. Four really entertaining wild card weekend games. Only 11 
games overall left in the NFL season as we come down the stretch run of the playoffs, wild card weekend this week, divisional weekend next week, then the AFC NFC championship games, and we get ready to go down to Miami where this show will be uh, in Miami for a week of uh, of Fox Sports Radio as well as I'm told, I haven't seen it, I haven't really seen the, the mock-up, but I'm told if you are going to be in South Florida or you listen to this show in South Florida that we will also have an outdoor stage uh, in uh, in Miami, the Fox uh, Fox Sports stage will be on the beach in South Beach. You'll be able to watch our Lock It In show and all the other programs that are going on on FS1 live from what I'm told is going to be a pretty awesome stage and set on the literally on the sand sand in South Beach as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, but last night, biggest sporting event of the evening was a monumental crazy wild comeback by the university of tennessee against the indiana hoosiers i'm sorry indiana fans you guys going for your first bowl win since 1991 never had played in a florida bowl game at all things looked great indiana was in phenomenal shape they were up 13 uh and then uh, tennessee gets possession then they have an improbable uh, onside kick that works in the space of 30 seconds they score two touchdowns I'll play the audio for you uh, here momentarily uh, but first this is a wild stat so far this year when a team has been up by 13 or more points with under five minutes to play they were 471 and zero again to repeat when you are up 13 or more points uh, with five minutes or less to play in college football this year, you were 471 and zero. Well, Tennessee managed to make it 471 and one. Here is what the final two touchdowns sounded like. Here's a handoff to Crouch, and he's in into the checkerboards here in Jacksonville, and Tennessee gets its first touchdown of the night, and the Volunteers have cut it to seven. They're going to hand off to Gray. He's got a big hole over the left side, down to the five, to the checkerboards. Touchdown, Tennessee. Eric Gray right down the middle of the field. So that is the win for Tennessee, and it's a pretty crazy final uh, game scenario there. Tennessee now wins six straight games under Jeremy Pruitt. The, the, the verdict is still out on how exactly Jeremy Pruitt is going to do as the head coach at Tennessee. Uh, but if you compare the one and four start that featured losses to Georgia State and BYU uh, with the close of this season where Tennessee went seven and one and the only loss was on the road against Alabama, it's pretty amazing to think about the trajectory since September for this program to go from one and four to eight and five and winning a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, we'll see what happens in year three. Lots of reason for optimism based on the uh, based on the recruiting class and also just the overall depth that's being built. But year two with Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee finds a way down the stretch to win a lot of close football games. And if you're Indiana, you managed yet again. This is what Indiana football does uh, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So that was the big event that was going on last night. Basically, that ends all of the major college football bowl games. Now, every time I say this, somebody hops on and, and blows me up on Twitter uh, because they're like, that's not the end of the bowl games. There's still some left. All right, here's what's left. Ohio, Nevada is today. Uh, then we got Southern Miss and Tulane 
and Louisiana Lafayette, Miami of Ohio. Those are your three bowl games that are remaining on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Uh, So the final Big Five conference bowl game was last night. Uh, And then we've obviously got Clemson and LSU from down in New Orleans, where I believe I will be uh, down in New Orleans for that game. Uh, which uh, which I am looking forward to uh, very much. Uh, final results from the major conferences in bowl season uh, are out as well, and the SEC is going to win uh, the uh, the bowl challenge season. They get a trophy, I think, as a result of this. SEC finishes seven and two in bowl games. The uh, Pac-12 is second best among the major conferences. Big bounce back for the Pac-12, going four and three. Uh, the Big Ten finishes four and five, and the Big Twelve finishes one and five. Now, obviously, there is one game left uh, between LSU and Clemson. Uh, the ACC sitting at four and six, the SEC sitting at seven and two. Nothing is going to change substantially based on the outcome of uh, of that game. So that is uh, where we are with uh, all of the news that is currently percolating there in the world of sports. Again, appreciate all of you guys hanging out with us. And I thought as we headed into Wild Card Weekend, before the season starts, we all make our Super Bowl predictions. And I don't even remember exactly what my Super Bowl prediction because it was all the way back in August. And so much has happened since then. But I thought maybe we could go back over what our Super Bowl predictions are and see who's still alive, see who still feels good about their picks and uh, and everything associated with the preseason projections. So, Danny G, I believe you have all the lists of the predictions. Let's run through and see who's in good shape. All right. We'll start with you, Clay. You picked the Saints and the Chiefs with the Chiefs winning the big game. You know what? I actually still like that pick. I I think the Saints, yes, they can do it. I would not be stunned if they won three straight games, even coming out of the wild card. And I love the way the Chiefs are playing right now in the two seed. They've already beaten the Ravens. I think they're pretty confident. In theory, they would only have to get past, uh, what, like the Bills or the Texans, depending on how exactly uh, this uh, playoff race shakes out. So I I like my picks. I like the Chiefs and I like the Saints. I wouldn't be stunned at all if that ended up being the Super Bowl. All right, let me move on over to Roberto. This doesn't surprise me. He wears the same Crocs as you. He also picked the same Super Bowl as you. Saints, Chiefs, but he picked the Saints to win. Yeah. So, I still think that's a solid pick. I don't think there's any reason to be. Well, you uh, would say that. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, uh, solid. Good, good choice for him for the Super Bowl. And so, Roberto, you still like the Saints? Yep. Okay, and Eddie Garcia, you picked the Seahawks and the Chiefs with the Chiefs winning. Still both alive. Not yeah. bad. Not now, bad at all. Would you like to adjust, or are you very confident in your picks right now? I'll stick with Kansas City. Um, I'm, I'm, I might rethink uh, Seattle a little bit, but I'm, you know, obviously they're good I'll, on the road. Though. I'll seven stick and with one it. this year. I'll stick with it. Yeah, they're seven and one on the road. I mean, they'll obviously have to win three straight road games, probably, unless. Uh, who's the sixth seed, unless the Vikings won two straight games, then they could host. But that seems very unlikely. So, uh, okay, that's not bad. I mean, so far, these have not been disastrous picks uh, in general. All right, what else we got? All right, I'll go with mine really quick here. I picked the Vikings and the Chiefs with the Chiefs to win. Wow, still alive. Still alive. Still alive. I'm a little nervous about Kirk Cousins, but I'm still rolling with my picks. Now, this is where our show hits a little bit of a bump. Yeah, Uh Dub. 
And this doesn't surprise me because back when we were doing the top five, bottom five towards the start and middle of the season, remember how Dub was the only one with the Cowboys in his top <laughs> oh, five? No. Dub also picked the Cowboys to represent the NFC of the Super Bowl. Dub, you had the Cowboys, Patriots with the Patriots winning. I still watch. He's still alive with the Patriots, but uh, what say you, Dub, about your Cowboys pick? I thought I had 49ers Ravens. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I will say I will say this. Like the, the picks are not usually if you have an entire show, I mean that's what, ten picks. Usually it's not it's not very common that nine of the teams would be in the postseason. So, I mean, that's a pretty solid selections overall that we ended up with. Because in the NFL, so much changes, injuries. It's yeah. pretty difficult to pick who is even going to make the playoffs a lot of years. And so to go 9 out of 10 on playoff teams to still be alive. Look other at the than big the Cowboys, brain on OutKick. Yeah, well, other than the Cowboys who were here. in the mix and really, frankly, should have been in the playoffs at least if Jason Garrett and the wheels don't come off that franchise. Uh, then, uh, then, then I think that's a, that's a pretty solid. It's a pretty solid job in general. All right, so those are the Super Bowl picks. Does anybody want to make a major? Like I'm actually pretty confident with. I I, I am very comfortable with my Chiefs and Saints. Like I don't even know. I guess maybe maybe it would just be smart strategically to go 49ers, but I'm pretty confident with those two teams that I picked. And obviously, the Ravens came out of nowhere. I don't think very many people. Uh, out there had the Ravens sitting at 14 and two or having the number one overall seed in the playoffs. So uh, anybody yeah. want to make substantial adjustments to their picks? Well, Dub needs to switch out his Cowboys. Yeah, all right. So, so who Dub, you gonna pick in the NFC now? In the NFC, now that my uh, my Dallas Cowboys are no longer a part of the mix, I am going to go with the 49ers. I think the home field advantage is huge, especially in the loaded NFC bracket. So I will go 49ers, and to be honest with you, I don't really like my Patriots pick, but I feel like I have to roll with it since that was my preseason selection. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports see their kumo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Last night, biggest sporting event of the evening, Tennessee going up against Indiana in the Gator Bowl. If you fell asleep before this one was over and you're just waking up now, maybe a bit of a surprise. Teams that had been down by 13 or more points with five minutes to play or less were 0 and 471 so far this year. Well, make it 1 and 471. This is what it sounded like in the last four and a half minutes. Here's a handoff to Crouch, and he's in, into the checkerboards here in Jacksonville, and Tennessee gets its first touchdown of the night, and the Volunteers have cut it to seven. They're going to hand off to Gray. He's got a big hole over the left side, down to the five, to the checkerboards. Touchdown, Tennessee. Eric Gray right down the middle of the field. That's the Tennessee Radio Network. Last big game, I would say, of bowl season. I know there are a couple more bowl games but last big major conference bowl game uh, of the year uh, with LSU and Clemson still to come in the national title game. But the last bowl game of the year, the Gator Bowl, uh, the results are in for all of the different uh, teams in terms of conferences and performances and how uh, everybody did in the bowl games. And uh, the SEC did pretty well as we get ready for the, uh, for the title game. SEC 7-2 and two overall. Uh, among the major conference teams, Pac-12 four and three, uh, the Big Ten four and five, ACC four and six, Big Twelve one and five. Now I don't use the uh, bowl games as a definite referendum on anything other than one year in the bowl season, but the trajectory over time is the SEC has been dominant in bowls compared to uh, other conferences, and uh, that is certainly the case again this year. The Big 12 has been awful, and uh, and that is uh, maybe not going to change. I don't know. We'll see. Tying in with the Big 12, something that could hurt the Big 12 in a big way is the decision that Lincoln Riley has to make. The Dallas Cowboys effectively moving on 
from Jason Garrett and now have to make a decision about who they're going to hire. We've been talking about it a great deal. Uh, and uh, Lincoln Riley seems to be the guy that is uh, that is getting the most attention and has been for a while. Will the Cowboys be able to get a deal done with him or not? Can Jerry Jones pay whatever it takes? We will be following that minute by minute over the ensuing several days to see who the Cowboys end up hiring to replace Jason Garrett for their first coaching search since 2007. But it is wild card weekend in the NFL and uh, as improbable as that Tennessee win might have been, and as wild as the coaching search might end up being for the Dallas Cowboys, we got four big football games going on this weekend, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. What do we anticipate happening? And more importantly, as we typically do on Fridays, who are we going to draft for the best games going into the weekend? Uh, I will start this off. Uh, I think pretty much if you're drafting anything other than the wild card weekend. So we're only going to have four picks. Uh, we uh, This is kind of a sad time of the year because we used to have all this different embarrassment of riches, all the college football games, all the NFL games, and we could go around the entirety of the crew to find out what the best sporting events are that are going on. Now we're down to four NFL games this weekend, four NFL games next weekend, and then two and then one. So if my math is correct, we've got 11 NFL games left uh, for the remainder of the season. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday uh, coming up. And I think the best game, uh, and yes, maybe this is a little bit of a homer pick because uh, I am a Tennessee Titan fan, but I want to see how the Patriots are going to look. Patriots lose at home against the Miami Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick in a game they needed to win to be able to lock up a home playoff game. Uh, I, I'm intrigued. I'll watch all four. So it's not as if I'm going to ignore any of these games. I will be watching the Vikings and the Saints. I'll be watching uh, the Texans and the Bills. And uh, I will also be watching certainly the Titans and the Patriots. I will be watching every single game that is going to be taking place uh, regardless of what uh, what you know otherwise is going on. There are four really good NFL games, and I will be locked in and loaded to see every single one of them and not miss anything, including, by the way, I don't think I mentioned it, but the Eagles on the road uh, are hosting the uh, Seattle Seahawks who are on the road. I'll be watching all four of them. But I think the best game and the most interesting game is the Titans against the Patriots uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I want to see what's going to happen with the Patriots. Uh, are the Patriots going to be able to flip the switch like they did last year and suddenly handle everybody in the playoffs, in particular the first game that the Patriots played last year? Now, it was a divisional round playoff game, but there was a lot of optimism that the Chargers were going to be able to go on the road and beat the Patriots, who were sitting at 11-5 and and didn't finish the season very well last year either. And then the Patriots went out and whipped them in that first game in Foxborough. Now you have to play on wild card weekend. In theory, the Patriots would have to beat the Titans. Then they would have to go on the road and beat uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and then maybe also go on the road and beat the Baltimore Ravens. We don't know how all the playoffs are going to shake out, but I feel like the AFC playoffs are pretty wide open. Uh, anything can happen with these six teams. I love what Tannehill has done. He's the highest rated passer in the NFL this year. Derrick Henry is the, uh, is the NFL leading rusher. I like what this Titan offense has been able to do. A.J. Brown coming into his own as a rookie. Jonu Smith at tight end, I think, is a matchup problem. I like the Titans to go on the road and not just cover. This line is around four and a half or five points. I like the Titans to win outright. And I think if they 
can overlook or get past the mystique and the aura and the history of this Patriot dynasty. I just don't think the Patriots are very good. You look at their schedule. You look at their wins down the stretch. Best win for the Patriots this year, probably the Buffalo Bills, who they beat twice. I think that's fair. You know, you look at the Patriots. They started off 8-0. They're just 4-4. Four and four. That defense, which looks so incredible, has not looked very impressive. I think the Titans are going to be able to lean on them with Derrick Henry set up play action passing. If Tannehill, who has already, by the way, beaten the Patriots four times, I think that matters. He is, I believe, four and six in his career. He's got more wins against the Patriots than any quarterback in the NFL right now, I believe, is uh, is accurate. He hasn't won in Foxborough, but he knows what Belichick and the Patriots do. I think it's Ryan Tannehill's time. I think come Saturday night, the Titans find a way to get it done. It's my overall number one draft pick. So uh, what would you pick after that one, Danny G? Well, before I get to mine, I got to ask you, because your old analogy on the Patriots has been that they're the villain in the movie. Yeah. Where you got to shoot them, make sure they're dead, but they get up again, they get killed a second time, then they come back alive again. On a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you that the Patriots still have another life left? I mean, I think the Patriots, it's all about their aura and their history right now, which is why if you just if you just stripped away the Patriots – and you said, okay, instead of the Patriots, this team is, uh, and I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, kind of a, if you look at their talent, if you look at their talent and you look at the way they've played down the stretch run of the season, and let's just say they're the Bills, because the Bills have played the Patriots pretty much even. Would anybody be nervous about going on the road to play against the Buffalo Bills uh, in in uh, Orchard Park? I'm not taking anything away from the Bills, but you'd say, okay, you just got to play your game. I think it's rare that you can go to Foxborough and say, hey, we don't have to do anything special to win this game. We just have to play a solid game. I think that's where the Titans are. I think if the Titans and Ryan Tannehill go out and play a solid game, they have a very, very good chance of winning because I think they're better top to bottom. Now, the Patriots are going to have a home field advantage. Their fan base will be fired up. Looks like there may be some weather-related concerns, a little bit, a little bit of rain, maybe some late snow, depending on how exactly everything materializes. But it's rare that you can say you don't need to do anything spectacular to beat the Patriots on the road in Foxborough, and I think you can say it this year. All right, well, I'll get to my pick here. Uh, I got to go with the early game on Sunday, and it's on Fox the Vikings at the Saints. You could call them playoff rivals. The miracle in Minneapolis just a few seasons ago. Of course, that game would have finished a lot different had you been on the field playing defense. I would have stopped that play. There's no way I would have sure. allowed that pass to happen. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is expected to play. That's a big deal for the Vikings. And his talented backup, Alexander Madison, was back at practice. That's also good news for Minnesota. The question mark is about Kirk Cousins. Which version of him are we going to see? On Sunday, everybody wants to find out the answer to that. It's been a really special year for Drew Brees and Michael Thomas breaking records left and right. Gotta tune in. Michael Thomas is must watch TV. That game on Sunday, I think, is going to have a lot of fireworks. I, I, I do think that this is where Drew Brees is getting a benefit from his injury that he had to his thumb earlier in the season because he looks so much healthier to me. Yeah, uh, instead of fatigued like he did at the end of last season. Yeah, and we need to pull up uh, maybe an hour three on the show all of our Super Bowl predictions. I know you have those written down somewhere in the studio, yep. right? 
Uh, so let's pull those up because I want to see what our predictions were. And uh, maybe we can make predictions for now that the NFL playoffs are starting. Uh, what kind of adjustments would they would we make? But I like the the, the Saints to be the Super Bowl representative uh, coming out of the NFC, even though they have to win three games, even though they have to beat the Vikings, probably uh, would be uh, going on the road uh, would be your expectation uh, against the Green Bay Packers and then uh, would theoretically have to go on the road against the 49ers if the brackets held. That's a tough trio of games to win. There's no doubt at all coming out of the wild card is very difficult, uh, but I like the Saints as playing the best. What about you, Dub? What game would you select uh, given the two choices? Yeah, I'm going with Seattle traveling to Philadelphia. Now, we all know the Eagles are really banged up, but so is Seattle. I cannot believe the Seahawks are actually favored in this game, to be honest with you. Philadelphia, they love the underdog role in the playoffs. They're 5-0 and against the spread the last two seasons in the playoffs, and the dog mass will be out in Philadelphia. That place will be rocking. It'll basically be a night game with uh, now that we're back on standard time here in Philadelphia. I think the Eagles win this game. I agree with what Lance Taylor said earlier, and I think it's going to be a great game. It gets two teams that are really known for their playoff uh, success in recent years, and both teams, like I said earlier, are totally banged up. So I think this is going to be a total battle, and I like the Eagles in this one. All right, Eddie, that leaves you with the uh, the game that it is really kind of amazing how little the NFL respects ESPN uh, because you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, what's the worst wild card game? That's the only playoff game that ESPN gets every year. And I understand there's a lot of people listening who are Bills and Texans fans, but even Bills and Texans fans are like, yeah, I think that's probably the worst game of wild card weekend. Sell it to me. Well, you've got, you know, Deshaun Watson uh, and DeAndre Hopkins going up against that Buffalo's Bills defense. Uh, the Texans, you know, at home uh, looking to finally have some success in the postseason. You would think this is at least uh, one of their better shots to at least advance into the next round. Uh, that's all I got. All right. So let me just <laughs> now, usually we have more games to be able to draft. So it's a little bit harder to do the draft when you only have four games. But I want to circle back around now. You get to pick any game, but you can only watch one. You can only watch one wild card game this weekend. Most of you out there listening or a lot of you out there listening are going to be like me. And if you don't watch every snap of all four games, you will at least watch a lot of them, right? I'll watch. I don't know if I'll see every snap, but I'll watch all four games 100%. Uh, and, you know, if somebody ends up in a blowout situation, I'll, I'll move away from the television probably and end up doing something else. But I'll watch all four games. I clearly am a Titans fan, so I am going to draft the Titans-Patriots game. But I also think it may be the most intriguing overall by itself, even if you weren't a Titans fan or even if you're not a Patriots fan, even if you don't have a rooting interest on either side uh, of the equation here. So I would pick that game as the one that I would choose to watch out of all four. What game would you pick, Danny G, uh, if you could only watch one of these? That's a tough choice here between the Titans, Patriots, and the Vikings, Saints. I guess I would have to go Vikings, Saints, because before the season started, I picked the Vikings to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl in Miami. That's the one where, you know, I'm most intrigued because I picked the Vikings. Uh, What about you, Dub? Which game do you take? I'm with Danny G. I'm going Vikings Saints. I think there's a decent chance the Vikings actually win this game and pull the upset off in New Orleans. So that's the game that interests me the most. That would be an improbable win, and it would send the Vikings out to San Francisco, which would uh, would be interesting because right now 
I think if you're a 49er fan while you're enjoying your your week off, you're a little bit apprehensive, I think, about playing against the Seahawks for a third time in a relatively short period, particularly because those teams have been almost dead even when you look at the Seahawks and the and the 49ers and the way that division was decided uh, just on Sunday night. So uh, so that would be a, that would be a big upset because the Vikings right now seven and a half point underdogs, the biggest underdog in uh, wild card weekend. Eddie, where do you go? I'm going with you, Clay. I'm going with the uh, Titans and the Patriots. Uh, I want to see if this is the end of the dynasty for New England. Is this going to be Tom Brady's final game, not only in Foxborough, but as a Patriot? Or are the Patriots going to prove us all to be idiots and uh, do what they do at home in the postseason and uh, figure out a way to get it done? So I'm picking Patriots-Titans. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's the best game. What about you, Roberto? I also had the Saints uh, going to the Super Bowl this year, so I'm going to go with the Vikings and the Saints, even though it's kind of early in the morning for me here, 10 o'clock in the morning, but I'm going to go with Vikings and the Saints. Uh, the early kickoff on Sunday. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Joined now by Chris Mannix. He's at Sports Illustrated. He has been covering uh, all of this David Stern fallout uh, as the commissioner of the NBA at the age of 77. Has uh, has passed on. He is at SI Chris Mannix on Twitter. Yesterday, Chris, I was saying I think that David Stern is probably going to be the greatest sports commissioner of all time. And it's hard to believe that anybody could ever surpass what he accomplished with the NBA over 30 years. Fair or foul analysis from your perspective? No, I, I think that's fair, and I've heard that from a lot of different people. I mean, Pat Riley was among the people that came out and, you know, flat out said it. You know, best commissioner in the history of pro sports. I mean, it, it, his legacy is is multifaceted, but I, I always most impressed Clay with how David Stern in the 1980s, with those television ratings just floundering. Um, really understood that in basketball, it wasn't about the laundry. You know, in football, you kind of root for your teams, right? You, they're a Cowboys fan, Eagles fan, you know, Patriots fan. You know, David Stern realized in basketball, the best way to sell the property was selling matchups. And it wasn't just, you know, Knicks versus Bulls. It was Ewing versus Jordan and, 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 and the Magic versus Bird and, and all those, those matchups. And, and that took some, some vision at that time. And I think that really propelled the NBA into the, the, the sort of this watchable property that it became. Do you think uh, that David Stern agrees with the direction that Adam Silver has taken the league? I, I think so, and I base that on two things. One, I mean, David Stern was Adam Silver's, or Adam Silver was David Stern's handpicked successor. I mean, he walked into those meetings with ownership towards the end of his tenure and pointed at Adam Silver and said, you know, that's the guy. And look, David Stern was all about the money, you know, with his, his commissionership, with the deals he made in foreign countries and everything he did uh, with NBA Entertainment. And Adam Silver, as much as people look at him as a progressive commissioner and all that stuff, he's all about the money, uh, you know, with, with that group. So, yeah, I, I do think that while they're probably not in lockstep on everything, I would think in the broad strokes they're very much in line. Will there ever be a commissioner with as much uh, authority as David Stern developed over 30 years? And how much of that was just being there for 30 years, which seems like, I mean, an improbable length of time now. It, it used to be, 
in the world of sports, guys kept their jobs, whether it's coaches, whether it's owners, whether it's GMs, guys kept their jobs a lot longer. It seems like we burn out on ownership and everything else and jobs a lot faster now than we did back in the day. Will anybody else even accomplish this? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, you know, David Stern obviously had a lot of, of, of credibility banked, you know, later in his ten- tenureship because of what he did at the beginning, but I will say this, I mean, players respected David Stern. I mean, not everyone, you know, agreed with him, his policies, and you go back to the early 2000s and, and the, the dress code stuff, and that was a real source of conflict between Stern and the players. But in talking to, you know, players and player agents over the last couple of days, you know, one thing that, that David, they respected about David Stern was that he was willing to listen to players. Even though he came down on guys pretty hard for stuff, he was always willing to hear guys out. A great example that I wrote about was Allen Iverson. And, you know, Iverson wrote that rap song in, the, in, I think it was 2000, that had a lot of women's groups up in arms, the gay community up in arms, and a lot of people were calling for David Stern to, to punish Iverson severely for it. You know, Stern called Iverson to his office in New York. They had a meeting. They talked it out. Iverson explained where he was coming from. And while he was, you know, uh, he had that, there was a strongly worded statement about what Iverson did. There was no punishment for it. And a lot of that was because he heard from Iverson and, you know, he, he was willing to accept what Iverson said. And I think players really respected that he was, you know, willing to hear them out on significant issues. There were a lot of rumors uh, about David Stern. It was almost like he was uh, the godfather making moves, whether it yeah. was, uh, you know, the, the famous frozen envelope with Patrick Ewing, which he continued to shoot down throughout his entire career, whether it was, and this is, I don't know if you would buy into this at all, but I kind of do, of all the sports conspiracies that are out there, think there was something to Jordan deciding to leave and go play baseball and then miraculously come back. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like something happened there, and I feel like there are a lot of sports fans who agree with me. Do you think that was just a sign of David Stern's overall power and influence in the league, or do you think he was legitimately capable of, for instance, keeping something like a Jordan secret suspension that close to a vest? I mean, you could, you could keep a lot of things a secret back then that you certainly couldn't today. And like, do, like you buy, a lot of- do you buy into that at all? Like, that, there are certain conspiracy theories that, that mm. I'm like, that's crazy. I could buy into the idea that Jordan got suspended for betting on basketball games. I can buy into it, of course, because the stories of Jordan gambling are legendary. It's just, I, I just don't know. I mean, the frozen envelope thing, I think, is kind of stupid. Yeah. I, mean, I know that. You know, I know that Stern's a Knicks fan growing up in New York and everything, but come on, like that's that's a little bit too far outside the box. But yeah, the the, the Jordan gambling stuff, the way it all kind of played out, and, and how he came back a couple of years later, I certainly can can buy into that. And I, and I do believe that in Stern's regime and how he kind of r- oversaw the NBA, I do believe that he was about as capable as any commissioner of keeping that a secret. You hit on something when you are talking about the dress code. Stern understood the business side of the NBA, and this is something that I've kind of hit on on my show. I think Stern sold the players, but he also sold the relationship between fans and players. And you remember, because you're around my age, the, the, the calling card for the NBA as the league was in its heyday was what? NBA action is fantastic. And yep. it was, you know, they put a variety of different celebrities on as part of the advertisements, and the fans were exulting and celebrating the player moves, and it felt like everybody was pulling in the same direction. 
Now it doesn't seem like that as much. Uh, you got players, and uh, it seems like almost every week or certainly every month, there's a player upset about something that a fan says. Uh, there's social media where people are kind of diving into their different niches. It seemed to me like Stern was a big tent guy. I want to appeal to everybody. I'll do whatever I need to to make Middle America happy. And that's, that, that, that there has been a difference now with Adam Silver. Do you buy into that, that Stern was a guy who was trying to create as big of a tent as possible and that now things are a lot more niche? I, you know, I, I don't know that I buy that he was trying to create this big tent because anyone that knew David Stern knows that he, he probably would have been happy with the dynamic that exists in the 80s, you know, kind of translating all throughout the decade, that being the Lakers being great and the Knicks being great and the Celtics being great and the Bulls being great, everybody kind of in the middle, you know, whatever. I mean, and Stern, remember, also didn't have to deal on the same level that Silver is dealing with with social media. I mean, it's just there's some things that you just can't kind of get out of the way from, and, and the evolution of social media and how players handle it is is one of them. And I think what's one thing Silver has embraced, which Stern embraced to a degree, is kind of the transactional nature of the NBA and how player movement has become a big reason the NBA is so popular. Does any tr- league, Clay, have a better trade deadline than the NBA? Does any league have a better offseason than the NBA? These are all things that, that Adam Silver embraced that, that I, I think have really helped the NBA's popularity. We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix, all right, uh, as David Stern is, is uh, it's an incredible legacy that he left, but – in the last week, I read in the Wall Street Journal, and I don't think it's gotten as much attention as certainly the NFL rating struggles did. And I think we've hinted mm-hmm. at this a couple times with you, but I was blown away by the actual numbers. The NBA in the past two years is down 26% in its ratings on ESPN and on TNT, according to the Wall Street Journal article that I read on Saturday. Um, and that comes uh, while the NFL is up over the past two years, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, NHL, uh, college football, all of those sports are up. So the Mark Cubans of the world can say, well, you know, it's just a cord-cutting phenomenon, but it really isn't translating. Sports is maybe the only thing that's holding up at all. What would you do to fix that? Well, you know, I, I've seen all the theories, and, and, and I understand some of them, but, you know, what happened in the last two years? When, as these ratings have gone down the last two years, what's the big change that happened? It's LeBron going west. I mean, I don't want to boil it down to something so simple, but the Eastern Conference does not have kind of must-see TV at this point. And LeBron, through his entire professional career, up until the last two years, was an Eastern Conference player. Cleveland, Miami, back to Cleveland. And he was a massive ratings driver every time he played, whether it was on national TV or even the local TV affiliates. He's gone. And in the Eastern Conference, you have... You know, Giannis is there, but Giannis hasn't quite connected with the audience in the same way that other superstars have. Philadelphia is unwatchable. You know, Boston doesn't have that alpha right now. Kevin Durant's not playing for Brooklyn. There just isn't a star there. And as much as the diehards will stay up late to watch LeBron James, a lot of the casual fans won't stay up to watch LeBron James. So I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I do think there's a lot to the argument that LeBron's gone and people aren't watching Eastern Conference games or the 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock window games as much as they were in years past. How much more popular would Giannis be if he was American? Everything else is the exact Um, same, but he is an American-born player. 
I, I, I do think a lot more popular. And, and it's funny because he's an incredibly likable player. Um, he, his, his game translates to television, and he's got that same killer instinct that we love in players like Jordan and Kobe and LeBron. I mean, watch him out there on the floor. He's, you know, there's a seriousness to him every single possession. And I, I agree with you. I think if his name was like George King or something like that, he came out of Duke, uh, we'd probably be talking about a much more popular player. All that being said, he is, I mean, he is leading the all-star voting right now uh, for the Eastern Conference, so he is incredibly popular. But maybe television-wise, uh, he might have a different connection. Another guy who's leading in the NBA voting, I think if I saw, was Luka. Uh, how incredible has he been in year two? Another foreign-born player. It is interesting that the two leading vote-getters in the NBA All-Star game right now, both foreign-born players. How, uh, how important is Luka looking ahead for the NBA's future? Yeah, meanwhile, Taco Falls played like 11 minutes and he's sixth in the Eastern Conference yeah. All-Star. But we've yeah. got to take this voting away from the fans and not give them as much of a, a say in all this. I, Luca came along at just the right time because I think there was, you know, not a vacuum yet because LeBron James is still at the top of his game, but we're all kind of looking around for the next guy, the next player that's just going to be dazzling out there on the floor and dominate in a bunch of different ways. And Luca does it differently. He's not LeBron in the in the way that LeBron dominates, but man, he is special when you watch him out there on the floor. And he's become, you know, for me anyway, a guy that you look for on the dial. If I'm watching League Pass, I'm looking for a Dallas Mavericks game. When the, you know you see more and more nationally televised Dallas Mavericks games, he's just uh, he again, he's an international player that might connect in a different way, but. Because of the way he plays and the position he plays, I think he's going to connect with fans for a long time. What are you hearing? We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. What are you hearing about Zion? When are we going to see his debut? How important is that? You know, I believe I saw that he's practicing now with the Pelicans. And everything I've heard from people down there involved with the team was that end of January was a realistic possibility. What I'm curious about is, you know, what does Zion look like when he comes back? I mean, you heard a lot in the last. Really, you know, as I started really to cover Zion, even before the draft, about just how top-heavy he was and how was that going to affect uh, the long-term health of his lower body. How much weight did he lose? How much weight is he going to lose um, as his career moves forward? Because he plays with such explosiveness. And when you bring that big frame down those knees every single time, it naturally is going to have some wear on them. So I'm curious to see, as he comes back, how does his game evolve and he's the same player that we saw do. How much nervousness do you think there is among the Pelicans? Because, I mean, that's kind of a big deal that he might not come back till the end of January, uh, missing at least half of the NBA season. Uh, and how much do you think they are concerned about him going forward, as you just hinted at, uh, that this could be a major issue that maybe doesn't go away and he's not – you know, this isn't the equivalent of, let's say you got a shoulder injury, you have surgery, it goes away, and you never have to worry about it again. This could be something more structural for his career. Oh, I think there's there's natural nervousness, and there should be uh, in New Orleans, especially when this guy was hailed as kind of the savior of this team in the post-Anthony Davis age. I would say that, you know, even if this guy has injuries in the first couple of years of his career, recent history has suggested that patience is, is okay in situations like this, that, you know, guys tend to figure out their bodies and figure out how to play uh, consistently. I look at Joel Embiid, I mean, does Minnesota sitting back wish they had drafted Joel Embiid number one and not Andrew Wiggins and waited a couple of years as the Sixers and Sam Hankey was willing to do? I'm watching last night, Clay. Michael Porter Jr. dominates in a game you know, for the Denver Nuggets, who sat back and took him at 14 and said, we'll let him redshirt his first year because we can get a top-two type of talent as long as he's healthy. So 
you know, it, it could be a rough go of it for the first year, maybe the first two years with Zion Williamson, but I just have enough confidence in NBA medical staffs that eventually these guys figure it out. All right, last question for you, Lakers or the Clippers, who are you more optimistic in in the next couple of months? I'm more optimistic in the Clippers because defensively, one through three, they can be just dominant on the perimeter. And when you've got Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, that's something to see. I I would say the the reports out there that Darren Collison, the former point guard in Indiana, is going to come back and wants to play for one of the L.A. teams, that should make people that are wary of the Lakers nervous. If you look at the Lakers' issues, point guard's one of them, right? I mean, Rajon Rondo is there. They play Avery Bradley at times. You know, Caldwell Pope is at the position, but they don't. And but LeBron is oftentimes the point guard on the floor. Darren Collison is a legit point guard. He played 76 games for a playoff team last year. He is a low turnover point guard that just two years ago led the NBA in three point shooting. Now I don't know what kind of shape he's in at this point. If, if he's ready to come back and step right into a rotation, but if he's close to the player he was last year, if the Lakers get their hands on him, that is a difference making pickup for a a playoff uh, uh, setup. That probably only needs one player to tilt the balance. Appreciate it, my man. Uh, have a good long weekend. Happy New Year. You got it, Clay. That's Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There were a lot of different Tennessee football fan images that went viral as Tennessee uh, looked like they were going to uh, collapse down the stretch. Down 22-9, to things did not look very positive. Casey Patrick was one of the Tennessee fans who was not happy, and we tracked him down last night. He was wearing a number one Tennessee jersey, large bearded man, uh, and he is with us now. Uh, Casey, I, I reached out to him on Twitter to track him down. Casey, what did you yell uh, that was caught virally on uh, on television broadcast last night on ESPN in the Tennessee-Indiana game? Am I allowed to say it on here? If there's cursing, probably not, but you can give us a, okay. a rough approximation. I got you. It was uh, something along the lines of, um, I'm sick of this crap, and it's the same old stuff with this guy. Um, I, I was not a lot. A lot of people thought I was yelling at the refs, but I was actually yelling at Coach Pruitt because I wasn't very happy with the the current quarterback situation. All right, so you weren't happy, were? Uh, so the, Tennessee is down twenty-two to nine. Things are looking like a uh, disaster. Did you stay for the entire game? Yes, I did. Absolutely. Actually, I stayed for the uh, trophy presentation afterwards and everything. And um, uh, Grant, I did too because. Uh, they were able to come back there at the end. It was pretty wild. All right, so what's your verdict on Jeremy Pruitt now? Well, you know, he he make, makes decisions that I don't always agree with. And, uh, you know, I still think, I still think decision-wise, I mean, he's, he's probably he's learning just like everybody else. I mean, even the great ones, they learn as they go along. But as far as a coach, I, I think, you know, just, just getting his guys ready and, and uh, preparing for other teams, I think – um, at least, you know, from game film and stuff like that. I, I've always thought Jeremy Pruitt is one of the best in the country and, and recruiting-wise as well, I, and I still think he is. Uh, but as far as being a coach and just, you know, just making football players better and developing them, uh, I, I think he's he's the best in the country and, and uh, just second to none, and, and I'm glad we got him. So 0-471 when teams are down so far this year by 13 or more with five minutes or less remaining. Tennessee comes back. 
uh, to, to get the win. The onside kick, I think, was the difference maker. How stunned were you by the onside kick? You know, I, I, I actually, I, I looked, I looked straight to my right, and uh, I was there with um, a bunch of my friends, and, and I, looked, I looked at one of my buddies, and I was like, "What in the world did we just do?" And and I, I had no idea. I didn't, I, I didn't really. It was hard to see exactly what had happened. And um, but when we got that ball back, and of course you know that was Eric Gray, and, and that's all he did all night long was just make plays. And, and as soon as we got the ball back, I just uh, you know you could really feel the uh, tide. All right, so when you go viral like this, like your picture, and it's not just that you were on television; it's that the cameras catch you yelling at uh, at the uh, at you know at the field and at the coach and at the team and everything else. What happens to your phone? Does it immediately blow up? Does like everybody that you know who's back home watching you and seeing you let you know? Like, what was your phone situation like in the wake of that? Yeah, they, you know, it was like uh, I had people that I hadn't talked to in ten years. You know, since I like been in high school, they were, you know, sending me text messages and stuff. They're like, "Man, dude, you were just on national TV and blah blah blah," and, and all this other and all this other nonsense. Uh, I, I thought all that was. Uh, that was pretty cool, but um, <clears throat> I just um, – my phone, I mean, I don't know if you can hear right now, but, it's, I mean, it continues to ding right now. Uh, I, I've got some guys that are, you know, big Tennessee football fans, and, and Paul Twitter's well-known. Uh, so, uh, you know, w- once a couple of those guys started to retweet it out and, and tag me in some stuff, I started getting followers. And I, When I went to the football game yesterday, I had like 450 followers on Twitter, and, and I had 2,000 when I woke up this morning. So <laughs> – uh, that's I mean, pretty impressive. You know, and, oh yeah, but I mean, Vault Twitter dude, that's a family, you know. And and uh, I, I, you know, I love all those guys. Uh, you know, the the day John Curry tried to do all that crazy stuff and 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 has on Saudi Young, Tennessee, and all that. Uh, when all that happened, and we all really came together, and, you know, you see these people, they got each other's back. And and uh, yesterday it was just something else, you know. A lot of people try to give me credit for us winning that game, and that that's not true at all, but. Um, you know, God you were the pivot point. Basically, oh, from the I, time you were screaming at the field, everything changed. Uh, by the way, how long have you had the jersey? Uh, you know, I actually I just bought that jersey, uh, but I found it at, I found it at a local store here for like ten bucks, and I was like, you know, I'm fat, but I'm gonna buy this jersey because it's like the biggest <laughs> shirt they got up there. So I, I went ahead and I went ahead and got it. I, I wasn't even worried about it. I mean, I, I'm big. I got a mirror. I know it. I ain't stupid. All these people, you know, it's funny because all the folks on Twitter, they're like, you know, one guy called me littered, not so little. And, and I thought yeah. that was great. That was my favorite comment I saw all night long. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the jersey's pretty tight fit. Is that an extra large jersey? Like, what's your height and weight situation here? Uh, I'm I'm about 6'6", six, six, uh, 275, 280. I said 275. That's a lie. It's 285. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm pretty hefty. Uh, the the shirt itself is a two X, but I, I mean, Nike makes them little bitty jerseys. That, that, that is not it's not really a two X. That's like a one X for everybody else. Uh, so, what, how did you celebrate after the game? Did you go out drinking? What'd you do? No, uh, no, me and some buddies. We um, I mean, we stopped at a gas station down the road. Uh, I think I grabbed like a to go chicken sandwich or something. We just came back and. Um, I, I drank I, I drank a Dr Pepper and, and ate my chicken sandwich and I actually watched the replay of the game. Uh, I always love to watch uh, every every time I go to a game. I've been to a couple now and 
Uh, every time I go to a game, I like to go watch a replay as soon as I can and actually, you know, excuse me, see what was going on and, and uh, really understand why things happen in the game. Uh, I'm not too big of a party or not crazy anyway. So, All right, so uh, I, so what uh, what happens next year for Tennessee now? So we're talking to Casey Patrick. He went viral during the game last night between Tennessee and Indiana uh, wearing his number one Tennessee jersey. That's like a Jason Witten jersey, by the way, back in the day, the number one Tennessee jersey. Leonard Little uh, obviously was also number one. Uh, it's it's a number reserved for big time playmakers like yourself. So what happens next year? You know, I I think I think ten wins is on the table, and and I don't I, I don't want to you know sit here and and say anything that I think is impossible. It's it's not going to be fifteen and zero. Uh, I still think there's there's too much there's there's not exactly enough uh, older talent on this team, but um, they're going to continue to get better and. Uh, they're gonna and and like I said, Pruitt's gonna continue to learn what what he's doing, and um, I, I think they can win. A lot of it's gonna depend on the QB next year, and, and I mean, I, I just like every other UT fan that cares about recruiting. I've been watching these Harrison Bailey videos, and, and I love the kid, but um, I know Pruitt's gonna love his senior quarterback Garantano if if Garantano comes back. So um, we got to see what happens, and you know whether it's JG or it's Bailey or it's Shout or Meyer or whoever. Uh, we we got to figure out what we're going to do with the ball in the air. and I, I think this defense is going to be strong, though, and, and I love good defensive football, and I think that gives us a chance to win every game. All right, my man, I appreciate you getting up early with us. Congrats on going viral and quadrupling uh, or tripling your, uh, your Twitter account, and uh, good luck next season, my man. All right, thank you. And I just want to say thank you for the uh, the Tupac uh, All Eyes on Me at the beginning of the show. That was pretty good. Thanks, man. Uh, that is Casey Patrick giving a <laughs> shout-out to the music there uh, as well. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, man, he's got a good sense of humor because as soon as I saw you tweet that gif out last night, I thought of the Chris Farley, what is it, uh, fat guy in a well, little coat? I mean, yeah. I, do, I do agree with him that that jersey doesn't seem that big. Um, but uh, but that is a good, if you haven't seen it, you can go to my Twitter feed. He went viral uh, last night. It's pretty awesome to go from 500 to 2,000 uh, Twitter followers in the space of an evening. I'm sure that will continue to grow uh, as people hear him on uh, the show today. But that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, and uh, <laughs> I felt like him when he was angrily yelling at the field. That's kind of what I was doing in my house watching that game last night. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be All right, the odds are out for the next Cowboys head coach. Um, You know, these different betting markets put out their odds on who they think is going to be the next head coach whenever there are coaching vacancies. And Jason Garrett hasn't been officially, officially fired, at least not yet. But the uh, expectation based on reports from Ed Werder and uh, from Adam uh, Schefter is that essentially it is done. So I always love to look at these lists of who the next head coach might be from a gambling perspective. And maybe a little bit of a surprise here. Josh McDaniels is favored to be the next Cowboys head coach. Uh, Josh McDaniels was with the Denver Broncos. He obviously is the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Accepted and then turned down the Indianapolis Colts job a couple of years ago. There's also been the idea that he might be the successor to Bill Belichick if Belichick decided to step down. Uh, but that is, uh, that's interesting, I think, uh, that, the, that the favorite would be uh, Josh McDaniels. Then we have Robert Sala, who is, what is he, the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. Um, who is already starting to get uh, some interviews as well. That would be a little bit of a surprise, I think, for the Cowboys if they went with a defensive head coach. Uh, just because so much of the focus has been on Dak Prescott and making sure that he fits and makes sense going forward. So I would say I don't like the odds of that just based on where this Dallas Cowboy franchise is right now. Lincoln Riley 
is up next at five to one. So Josh McDaniels, Robert Sala, uh, Lincoln Riley. Then you've got Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, and Urban Meyer, both at six to one. And then Eric Bieniemy, who is with the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs right now, former Colorado running back back in the day. Matt Rule are both at seven to one. And then three guys here all at 10 to 1, Dan Mullen, Gary Kubiak, and Mike Zimmer with Jim Harbaugh at 12 to 1. Now, I just hit you with all of these different odds. Are you guys as surprised as I am that, that they would have Josh McDaniels as the favorite to be the next Dallas Cowboy head coach? Eh, not really. I heard his name thrown around a lot yesterday when I was watching sports shows on TV. And the one comment that I heard a couple of times was it could be Josh McDaniel's second and last job as a head coach in the NFL. I think think you got to hit a home run on this, though, if you're Jerry Jones. There's no doubt he has to hit a home run. But my thing is, does Josh McDaniel seem like the kind of guy who can handle the spotlight of the Dallas Cowboy job? I, I almost feel like at this point in time, you need somebody who is comfortable with massive attention. And Urban Meyer, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, has been in the fire. I would say Dan Mullen has too. These major, and Lincoln Riley, major college football coaches are more used to dealing with media than a coordinator is in the NFL. Now, I understand that Josh McDaniels, when he was with the Broncos, dealt with the media on a somewhat relatively uh, regular basis. But I think it takes a particular type of person to be able to handle the Dallas Cowboy job. And I don't know him at all. I don't have any kind of personal relationship with Josh McDaniels. But he doesn't really feel to me like the kind of guy who would fit well in Dallas. What about you, Dub? When you hear these names, uh, Josh McDaniels, Robert Sala, who I know absolutely nothing about, Lincoln Riley, I feel pretty comfortable about knowing what he's like. Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, Dan Mullen, all those guys, Jim Harbaugh, certainly I feel like I know somewhat well. Yeah, the name that really surprised me is Robert Sala because maybe it's just us assuming, but to me the only route to go would would be to hire an offensive guy for this Dallas Cowboys team. And I know he's done a great job with the San Francisco 49ers defense, but that roster and that defensive line in particular is just the best unit in the NFL probably. So they're not. He's not going to have that in Dallas if he decides to go that route. But as far as Josh McDaniels go, I'm not. I'm not really surprised that he is the betting favorite at this time. I just kind of am surprised a little bit because it seems that Josh McDaniels' hire would be a totally normal and expected hire. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that there's been so much buildup to this idea that Jason Garrett is going to get fired. It feels very NFL to go hire a guy who's already been a failure as an NFL coach and plug him in as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's why I was saying that you need a home run because that feels like a double, right? I don't even feel like it. No, it you, doesn't feel like a double to me. Like an infield single? A bunt. I mean, it feels like <laughs> a bunt. Hit by to pitch. Me. I mean, if, if you go, yeah, hit by pitch. If you go hire a guy who's already been fired because he's not good enough in the NFL – and you go hire another one of these Belichick protégés, it just seems like the most conventional possible hire for a guy like Jerry Jones who typically has made unconventional moves. I mean, again, if you go hire Josh McDaniels, we can run through the list of former Bill Belichick assistants 
but most of them haven't done very well, right? Romeo Cornell, Matt Patricia, uh, Bill O'Brien is probably the most successful Belichick NFL associate who's become a, uh, a head coach in the NFL. And there's a lot of Houston Texan fans right now rolling their eyes because they're not that happy about Bill O'Brien. We'll wait and see what happens tomorrow with their game against the, uh, the Bills. If you win a playoff game, everybody loves you. But they're just, and I know Brian Flores had a decent amount of success. He went five and four down the stretch. It's too soon to judge him in year one. How do you feel about Vrabel? Yeah, Vrabel's not re- – yeah, I guess. Vrabel doesn't feel as much like a Patriot uh, guy. Maybe that's a little bit wacky because he played there. But he doesn't feel like, you know, the offensive or defensive coordinator who comes completely out of the Belichick tree. I guess you could argue that Belichick uh, helps Vrabel in some way get his job. But I don't really see Belichick as coming out of the uh, – out of the. I mean, sorry, I don't see Vrabel as coming out of the Belichick tree. But we'll see how he does tomorrow. I mean, if he goes on the road and he wins against uh, the Patriots, everybody's going to be ecstatic. But this just, if Josh McDaniels is the hire, it feels like a very conventional hire in a space where the expectation was, oh, the Cowboys are going to fundamentally reinvent their team and change everything, going and hiring a guy who's already been an NFL head coach and already been fired and is currently a Bill Belichick uh, assistant is literally the most conventional possible hire you could make. And I just felt like Jerry Jones wanted to create a stir in going out and making what might be the final coaching hire of his ownership career with the Dallas Cowboys. It seems very, very risk-averse to go with Josh McDaniels. Doesn't mean that Josh McDaniels is not going to be successful, but just can compared to the amount of attention you would get from a Lincoln Riley or Dan Mullen or a Matt Rule or a Urban Meyer if you went the college route, that seems a, a little bit surprising to me. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.